politicians are the virus. Yeah, man, maybe I am dumb. You think you're free? You think you're free just because you can't see the cage they keep you in? Fauci jerked off a pangolin, and now we all have COVID. It's us against them, guys. Get out there and spread that love and liberty. Let's go. Welcome to The Dad Presents. Today we're going to be spreading love and liberty. And man, it seems like the world really needs some of that right now. So thank you for tuning in wherever you are tuning in. Please make sure you click subscribe. Please leave a little comment, leave a review. Those small actions really do help this show, you know. Uh, to keep this show going, we got to make a few bucks and that really helps. So please do that for us. So we're definitely going to get into the situation in the Ukraine and Russia a little later in the show, but I don't want to start there because number one, I know you've been inundated with it all week long and I want to have a little bit of fun first, but I have spent a lot of time reading up on it. This show is growing and as it grows and as there's more viewers and listeners, I, I recognize there is a responsibility to make sure my, my message is on point before I put it out there into the world. So I spent a lot of time reading up on this over the weekend and really formulating my opinion before I put it out there to you. All I can tell you is that telling the truth against popular opinion at the specific point in time in history when it's unpopular takes some balls. And I've never shied away from the truth because it's unpopular, and I'm not going to do that now. So I think you'd be interested in the take, so stay tuned for that. But first, let's just have a little bit of fun. My, my kid, Keller, love that boy. He won an award at school last week on Friday for being smart. And, you know, we were so proud. I mean, what's better than being a parent and seeing your kid work hard for something and then get rewarded for his hard work. It's awesome. You, you, you get proud. So about he, we sent him off to school. We knew he was getting the award and we knew what time it was happening. About an hour after that time, the school calls me. My phone rings. So I didn't know why they were calling. I assumed maybe they wanted to call and, and congratulate the dad for being such an awesome dad to, to get this kid to be so smart. I didn't know. Um, I answer the phone and the lady asks me, she says, can you bring a pair of shoes to school for your son? what? I, I, in my head, I'm like, did the, did the bride send Keller off to school? No shoes? Like, what, what is she talking about? So I asked, I'm like, what do you mean? And she said, well, he threw one of his shoes on the roof. <laughs> he took his shoe off, threw it on the roof. And as stupid as that is, I, I immediately in my head, I knew what was going on. He had to be trying to impress a girl or his buddy or, or something like that. And I didn't give him a hard time about it because I remember being that age and how thoughtless and dumb teenagers are. And he, you know, he's only 12, but he hit puberty. You hit puberty, you're a teenager. And I know how kids act at that age. And it's almost always to impress a girl. In sixth grade, this is a true story. In sixth grade, my, my dumb ass... On top of the monkey bars, I attempted to do a backflip off the top of the monkey bars to impress a little fifth grade gymnast named Paula. Now that's dumb, but it's even dumber given the fact that I'd never done a backflip in my entire life. No, I was not a gymnast, never done a backflip. I'd never even attempted a backflip. Yeah, I'm going to do a backflip off the top of the monkey bars to impress Paula the gymnast. And you can imagine how that one worked out. Not great. So 
I went to my boy and I talked to him and though, you know, he tried to hide his motivations for why he threw his shoe on the roof, like a friggin' moron. But eventually the truth came out. I was able to get to the bottom of it. And yeah, that's what he did. His, his girls out there, and you know, you guys know he has a little non-binary bi- bisexual 12 year old girlfriend. She was out there and he was trying to make her giggle because that's what dudes like do. We want to make the girls giggle. It's, it's one of the ways into their heart. That's what he was trying to do. Dumb. Anyway, the point of this story from the dad presents a show trying to help you to navigate the weird waters of parenting, especially with teenagers, teenage boys are literally the dumbest creatures on earth. They're dumb. Even, even my boy, who might be smarter than me, he may be above Mensa in the intelligence department. He's a tard. He's just a tard, you know? Teenage boys are a danger to society, and I mean that literally. If you look at the statistics, 63% of all violent crime in America is committed by boys ages 15 to 25. That's staggering. Let me repeat that. 63% of all violent crimes in America are committed between boys ages 15 to 25. That's wild. That small segment of the population doing all that damage. So why is that? Why are young boys doing all the damage? You know, women will complain about hormones and how tough it is to, to be a teenage girl. And I'm sure it is. I'm sure periods are terrible. I'm sure they're painful. I'm glad I don't get them. But not enough attention is paid to teenage boys and what they go through during puberty. You know, when a teenage girl's hormones rage, what really is the worst that happens? She gets cramps. She's mean to everyone within earshot. She's incapable of logic and a little bit crazy. And maybe if the hormones get really, really nutty, she'll go to a a party, drink her face off, and then blow the entire football team. So really the worst case scenario for a teenage girl is a little bit of a win for the rest of society. But when a young man's hormones rage, things get scary, terrifying. He's going to get angry. Something small will happen that'll trigger an explosion of anger. And if he doesn't have something nearby to punch, he may go out, get super drunk at that same party, grab his dad's AR-15 and shoot the entire football team in the face which is a lot less cool than blowing the whole football team. And why? Why will he have done it? Because of pussy, because of his hormones. He will have done it because he's an ugly, hormonal kid that nobody wants to touch. You know, a teenage boy, it's hard enough being a 49-year-old boy with hormones, but a teenage boy is producing baby seeds at a rate that's incomprehensible. His body's telling him nonstop. All you guys know, when you're a teen, nonstop, 24-7, 365, you're getting messages from your ween to go out there and spray those seeds. It's all you can think about. Impregnate all the girls. Make little me's. A kid that age, he's unable to attention, uh, focus his attention on anything other than butts and boobs. And he can disappear into the bathroom five times a day to whack it. He will disappear into the bathroom five times a day to whack it. And he's still going to end up sporting wood in third period geometry just because he caught a whiff of Angela Herring's hair who happens to be sitting in front of him. And Angela's not going to touch his peen. Never. Never. It's never going to happen. Most especially, it's not going to happen in third period geometry. So now he's in a situation. What's he do? 
He's going to take his ween. He's going to do that move where you tuck it up and under the waistband so nobody can tell. He might get called up to the chalkboard. It's going to be a dicey and scary situation. But he's going to be frustrated. And he's going to be a little bit embarrassed. And then later in the day, Chase, quarterback of the football team, sees him at his locker. Chase doesn't like him. Chase, Chase has been picking on this kid for years. Shoves him in the locker and sticks a pencil in the lock so he can't get out. So now the kid, he's angry. He's claustrophobic. He's embarrassed. He's been publicly humiliated. He's still got his little peen wedged up under his waistband. He's still horny. He, he starts spiraling out of control, right? He goes home. And now, instead of grabbing his dad's Playboy like he typically would and going out and taking all his frustrations out on his ween, he grabs his dad's AR-15, he goes to the football field, and he blows them all away. Not good. Now, this is an obvious like exaggeration, and I don't worry about this with my kid. I don't worry about that kind of stuff with my kid at all. We're getting into that. Why? I prepare my kid. But it happens in society in extreme cases, and it's almost always a boy. Every school shooting we've ever seen is a boy. Am, am I wrong? And they're always between the ages of 15 and 25, pretty sure. So it happens. A small segment of the population doing the vast majority of damage. And it's preventable. Pussy is the most powerful substance on earth. I've said that as a joke many times on the show, but I also mean it because it's true. It's the most powerful substance on earth. Pussy will motivate men to accomplish unfathomable great things. It'll also motivate men to do some terrible, terrible things. And teenage boys, I'm of the opinion that because of their hormones and because of the power of pussy, we should take all teenage boys. The first time you discover a crusty sock in the corner of your boy's bedroom, It's time to take that kid in the backyard, build a cage, lock him in it, go out there once a day with some raw meat, some water, some lubricant, maybe throw in a Playboy, run away before he's spraying his seed everywhere in the backyard and catches you in the face. Go out there once a day, give him that stuff, run, head for the hills, leave him there till he turns 25. That's probably what's safest for society, honestly. Or that, do that, or prepare your kid, okay? I've prepared my kid for how to deal with his anger. Look, my kid, is he's not an angry kid. He's actually the s- sweetest sweetie pie I've ever known. And I know I'm, I'm biased. You know, I'm his dad. I'm biased. But I got two boys, and I wouldn't say that about the second kid, okay? So I'm not delusional about it but he's a sweetie pie. He's about as sweet as you can be as a boy without being literal pie or a sweet tart, if you catch my drift. Um, He's not an angry kid, but he's already showing signs of frustration and anger. So I work with him on that. We've already had to talk about masturbation. I don't want him to be embarrassed about it. I don't want him to feel shame because that's one more place that frustration and anger builds from. When you're in your your bedroom as a 13-year-old kid and you're abusing your weenus and and the whole time you're doing it, you're imagining all your dead relatives are looking at you because that's what you heard from the church and your shame is piling on top of you and you can't stop yourself. And if you do stop yourself, even more frustration builds because it's just impossible 
So you get angry. All right. So I, number one, I don't want that. So we've had that talk. So he knows it's okay. And he knows, you know, just do it in the privacy of the bathroom and don't leave a crusty old sock laying around for your mom to pick up. But he's still going to get angry. He's going to get picked on at school or something's not going to go right with this girl. And he needs avenues for how to deal with that anger. And I've taught him those things. I've taught him about exercise. I've given him a heavy bag to punch. I've told him, you know, he can come talk to me. Boys need outlets for their anger and they need to know they're not alone in having their anger. So teach your boys how to manage their anger. Teach them how to manage their hormones. And if you don't believe me that that this is a problem that young boys rage out of control and do dumb things, just go on YouTube. Do yourself a favor, go on YouTube, type in epic fails. And you're going to see tens of thousands of videos of tarted teenage boys full of hormones hurting themselves or their friends trying to impress each other and impress a girl. All right, moving on from that. Another thing I wanted to talk about is the Olympics. Now I know I'm way late on this one. I know I'm late. I know I am. I'm sorry, but we've not had a show one-on-one with just me and you guys. And I love you guys. And I like doing these one-on-ones. We've not had one because I've had so many great guests for you. And I hope you appreciate that. I hope you appreciate all the great guests that have been lined up. We got more next week, the week after Uh, the Tuttle twins. You guys like the Tuttle twins books. If you're a parent and you don't know about the Tuttle Twins, you're missing out, man. These are great books for kids to teach your kids about the economy and and conservative principles. When I say conservative principles, I'm talking about family principles and financial principles that they're not going to learn anywhere else. Got the author of the Tuttle Twins coming in, I think, uh, later next week. Anyway, the Olympics. I didn't watch. Didn't watch. My wife watched. She watched some. She digs it. And... I have the feeling like when I when I would walk in and see her watching, I think women like the Olympics more than men because I think they program it to women. Like when you walk when you walk in and you see it, half of the programming of the Olympics is like human interest stories. It's like you walk in and and you don't know if you're watching the Olympics or a lifetime movie of the week. And I, you know, I'm not down with that. If they just stuck to the sports, whatever. But one night I, wa- I walked in and she's watching that sport where the janitors push a, a crushed trash can down the ice and then three other janitors run in front of it and sweep up all the crumbs. You know the one I'm talking about? They call it curling. Sorry, man. Curling is not a sport. Not a sport. This is so tough. A most difficult attempt, Neil! trying to come in off a stone on the outside, trying to get the roll to the stone at the button. They're working on it frantically. There's the contact. There's the roll. She's made it. Three frumpy, pear-shaped white women pushing that disc down the ice, and then the other one's running and and sweeping up the crumbs. Pear-shaped people cannot be called athletes. Pear-shaped white women can definitely not be called athletes. And if your sport is not played with athletes, it's not a sport. So I thought about this. I'm like, well, what is a sport? How do you classify a sport? How How do we define a sport? And I came to the conclusion that we've got five types of sports out there, all right? Number one, you got regular sports, and we all know these. These are the ones you grew up watching and loving, football, basketball, baseball, boxing, hockey, golf, you know. Then there's rich people sports, 
And these are sports that you only play if you come from money. Actually, golf might fall into the rich people sports, but it's, you know, you got golf, sailing, tennis, these kind of things. Then you got hippie sports. Hippie sports are the kind of sports you're going to find people in coastal California doing. Sports like surfing and skateboarding, rock climbing, mountaineering, hacky sack, right? Then you got your redneck sports. These are sports that are for white people, okay? It's best examples, NASCAR and rodeo. I'm sure there's others, but redneck sports. And then finally, the fifth type of sport is non-sports sports like curling. These are sports that you can do just as well drunk as you can sober. So we got the janitor sweeping sport, curling, bowling, lawn darts, cornhole. So if you're at a college fraternity party and someone says, hey, Matt, let's play blah bitty blah then blah bitty blah is not a sport. And some sports have crossover, like golf. You know, it's a rich person sport and it's a normal sport. And I, I guess of those that I just rattled off, curling, bowling, lawn darts, and cornhole, they're all non-sport sports, but they're also all redneck sports. <laughs> so, okay. So look, I don't care if you keep non-sport sports like curling in the Olympics. It's cool. Whatever, man. People dig it. Just stop trying to tell me that these depressed housewives are athletes. They're not. They're not. They're depressed, bored housewives, and they've taken up a sport that nobody else wants to play. All right, guys. So we have another doctor coming in again in two weeks, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about the naughty I word, which, as you all know now, the I word is the N word of medicine. Not going to say it. I'm not getting banned anymore. Not playing those games. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that, and we're going to be talking about masks again. However, since the war started last week, we've not heard anything about the pandemic. Seems the war ended the pandemic, which is interesting because the pandemic was previously ended by that time that cop killed that that black guy in Minnesota. That ended the pandemic. So this is the second end of the pandemic caused by external events that had nothing to do with the pandemic anyway, whatever. I'm not going to waste your time on masks today because I know you're tired of it. However... This weekend, someone I know in real life called me a racist on social media. Okay, not not to my face. Nobody would ever do that to my face because number one, it's not true. Number two, they know that would not end well for them. But on social media, someone I know in real life called me a racist. And the reason was because I said we need to immediately end mask mandates in our children's schools. Now, how they made the leap from me being anti-mask to Racist is completely ridiculous and it's not worthy of an explanation, so I'm not going to waste your time on it. But for years now, the media and politicians have been throwing out the race card constantly for all kinds of things that have nothing to do with race. And people are so easily influenced that that they hear this. They hear this from our leaders and they hear this in the media. It's now become normalized to call somebody you know racist even when you know they're not actually racist it's become part of the zeitgeist and that's messed up so even though i would typically ignore a comment like this and just move on past it i hear a lot more of this kind of thing of friends accusing other friends of racism and it's becoming a greater part of our the fabric of our society where you have friends turning on each other over issues like this and it's nonsense 
So I'm going to address this just one time. Okay, I'm going to address this one time, and then we're not going to talk about it no more because it's stupid. Okay, here goes. This is for the person who called me that. This is for anyone else who might be thinking it. This is for all of you who are think who have been called it by other people. This is how you respond to that. Okay, I'm not racist. I don't care what color your skin is. Doesn't matter. Opal, black, brown, mauve, caramel, yellow, friggin' pink. Don't care. Not interested. I don't care what your hairstyle is. I don't care if you're bald. I don't care if you have dreadlocks. I don't care if you're rocking like a 1980s flock of seagulls do. I don't care if you have a, a mohawk or cornrows. Doesn't matter. I don't care if you have a vagina or a peen between your legs. I don't care if you prefer touching vaginas or peens. Unimportant. I don't care if you had a peen and you had it chopped off by a doctor. I don't care about that stuff. It's just not very interesting to me. I mean, if you had a peen and you had a, you chose to have a doctor chop it off, that is actually kind of interesting. So I take that back, but I'm not going to judge you by that. I don't care. You're a complex person with thoughts and ideas and dreams and the physical characteristics of your body just aren't that important to me. They don't matter unless I'm trying to see you naked. If I'm trying to see you naked, then your physical characteristics matter quite a bit. Maybe the number one thing I care about, but that's a different story. What I care about with people is, you know, are you a quality person with integrity? Do you have principles? Are you putting positivity into the community? And if so, how can I help you amplify that? Or are you a shitty selfish person who's doing harm to the community? And if so, how can I reduce your impact? You guys know I believe government should be stripped down to almost nothing. Government sucks, and I want the bare minimum amount of government out there. And the part that remains, well, that should be their only goal. They should be working to amplify the good people in society, helping good people in society to have a greater impact on their communities while trying to limit the damage done by the bad. That's all government should do. That's it. Well, but Matt, racism still exists and we need to address it. Okay. All right, bro. All right. You want to get rid of racism? Good. Me too. Let's get rid of racism. Do you know how you get rid of racism? You stop injecting race into every single thing. You make race a non-factor. You guys make skin color the central factor of every issue. Even when there's no logical way to connect the two, you inject race. You're literally creating other racists by highlighting race every single chance you get. If you force people to always see race and always see that as the reason for differences in society and problems in society, how are you not going to get more racist? Of course you are. So, hey, stop doing that. You want racism to go away? Stop highlighting race. Stop highlighting skin color as the most important factor always. Just look at little kids, right? Most of you have kids. I got kids. Kids barely notice race. Sure, they notice the color of a person's skin. They're not, they're not dumb. They're not blind, but they see it in a different way than you and I. They see skin color the same way you and I see hair color or eye color or 
nail color. It's just an appearance thing. They see it the same way that, you know, like I have a giant nose and my wife doesn't. My wife has a little bit of slanty eyes. I don't. My kid has slanty eyes. Saying slanty eyes at this point somehow now is is racist, but it's a fact. My kid has slanty eyes. I'm not judging him. I'm just, I can see it. Am I supposed to pretend that's not real? But kids, kids aren't like that. They're, they're not going to not say something because it might be politically incorrect, and they're not going to judge you because of that thing. Like, your kid will come home and tell you he made a new friend named Bobby at school, and you start probing because you want to know about Bobby. And you're, you know, you might learn that Bobby likes Pokemon and, and baseball, and he sits next to your kid at English class, and he eats Cheetos for lunch. But if you keep probing and probing and probing, eventually, well down the road, you're going to find out that Bobby has super kinky hair, and his skin color is darker than most kids. That's going to come out way down the line. And that's all he's going to say. He's going to say, Bobby has really curly hair, and his skin is kind as of, darker than mine. He won't say he's a black kid. Because he doesn't really have that vocabulary or understanding of the world. He doesn't know what a black kid is up to a certain point. We teach him. I don't know why. We do. We teach him. Well, that's a black kid. That's an Asian kid. See that kid with the slanty eyes? It's because he's Asian. We teach them that. Don't know why. But he, he just sees his friend as, this is my friend Bobby and his hair is super curly. Just a couple insignificant characteristics to him. That's how the rest of us need to be. We need to stop teaching our kids to see race and everything. And we need to start learning from them that it just doesn't fucking matter. You know, things like slanted eyes or skin color. People have them. We're all human, right? We're all human. But we've developed different physical traits according to what trait was conducive to living in the environment that people evolved in over thousands of years. Well, now we're all mishmashing together and the world is becoming much more of a one big place where people can intermingle, intermarry, move around. So we're all kind of evolving as more of a group now. And those traits are less and less important by the day, but we keep putting more and more importance on them. Look, man, if we were all like the little kids, racism wouldn't be there. You want racism to end? Be like the little kids. Shut up about skin color. You get it? You guys are literally manufacturing racism. Stop it. All right. Russia, Ukraine, the war. Let's get on with that. So right now, you only really see one message on your TV, and that message is that Putin is pure evil, and Ukraine is filled with victims, and we need to save them. I'm not going to say whether I agree with that message or not right now. You'll eventually figure it out. But what you should notice right away is that nuance is dead. Nuance died probably a decade ago, but it's been buried about 10 feet under in the last four years. In 2019, if you didn't go along with the corporate narrative about Black Lives Matter, you were a racist. In 2020, if you didn't go along with the corporate narrative about COVID, you wanted to kill grandma. In 2021, you are an anti-vaxxer. And now, 2022, if you don't fall in line with the corporate narrative, you're pro-Putin. You don't have to be pro-Putin. You just have to slightly deviate from that corporate narrative and you're going to be called pro-Putin. 
I've said it on the show a million times, right? I've said Republicans and Democrats, they fight with each other. Should the top tax bracket be 39% or 38%? Who fucking cares? Or should we have non-binary bathrooms at Chuck E. Cheese? They're going to argue and make people crazy over those small differences. But when you come to the big things like should government print trillions of dollars and give them to our banks to bail out corporations or should we go fight this war? The answer is always a unified yes. They're always unified on those two things. They're always unified and it's always an enthusiastic and resounding yes. So that's how you know what's important in this country. When Democrats and Republicans agree on something, it's something that's greatly benefiting the elites and it's guaranteed to fuck you. And that's what we get with every single war. Tell me one war that government and the media did not support. Go on. I'll wait. Doesn't exist. Every single one. Full-throated approval from both government and the media. Right now, there's one guy on TV who stands alone and is pushing back against the mainstream narrative a little bit, and that's Tucker Carlson. And he, he's not pro-Putin, okay? But he's not falling in line with the standard narrative. And now, of course, the powers that want to be want to silence him. They want to shut him up because there's nothing more anti-American and dangerous to this country than not enthusiastically supporting every single war. Now, one of the biggest cheerleaders for Russia as it threatens to invade a peaceful and sovereign country is the host of the number one show on Fox News. Point NATO exists primarily to torment Vladimir Putin, who, whatever his many faults, has no intention of invading Western Europe. Vladimir Putin does not want Belgium. He just wants to keep his Western border secure. That kind of perspective has created tension for Tucker Carlson in some parts of the Republican establishment, with certain Republican senators supposedly pushing back against Carlson's support for Russia. But Axios reports that Carlson's pro-Russia message has found a home with Republicans facing tough primary challenges, especially those in the House. GOP operatives working in 2020-2022 primary races tell Axios they worry they'll alienate the base if they push to commit American resources to Ukraine or deploy U.S. troops to Eastern Europe. And Carlson knows that, telling Axios, quote, I really hope that Republican primary voters are ruthless about this and vote out any Republican who believes Ukraine's borders are more important than our borders. Not wanting to send our boys to die in a war makes you a Putin supporter? Is that where we are in America? The man believes we should be more concerned about our own border, more so than Ukraine's border. And that means he's acting on behalf of Putin? Now, whether you agree or disagree with what he's saying, is that a dangerous opinion? He's being called dangerous for sharing that opinion. Since when is it dangerous to oppose war? Since when is being concerned with your own country's uh, borders dangerous? Isn't war itself the dangerous thing? Doesn't war kill people? Shouldn't we do every single thing that we can to avoid war? Shouldn't war be the last line of defense for our country? And the last statement in that video is very, very telling to me. What that senator said, what he's worried about is that if he supports war, he might get voted out. So he's not even really concerned about doing the right thing. We have lives at stake here. People are going to die. People are dying. And his concern is not whether or not he does the right thing for all of humanity. His concern is, 
if he supports the war and sends troop because of Tucker Carlson, people might vote against him. Bro, that seems like a messed up priority to me. You need a you need to check your ethics. For us. I want to see the tape Putin has of him because it has to be something special. How do we go? I mean, seriously, how do we go from being a country that hated communism uh, since well before I was born? How do we go from being the country that made Red Dawn and Rocky Four to this? It boggles the mind. Can you imagine Ronald Reagan turning on Fox News and hearing it? He would strangle his monkey. He would. <laughs> And Tucker Carlson, he knows what he's doing. He knows that this is garbage he's feeding these people who watch him. I'll tell you, between Tucker Carlson and Pam and Tommy, this really is the golden age of talking dicks on television. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, President Biden... That clip, man, it just disgusts me. Just because you don't want to send American troops to fight in a war on the other side of the country that could very easily escalate into World War III and become nuclear, it could wipe out all of humanity. Just because you don't want to take those steps, you're a supporter of Putin? Come on, man, that's asinine. When these people on TV say, we need to give our full support to Ukraine, what do they actually mean by that? Explain to me what you mean by we, sh we need to give our full support to Ukraine. Do you mean we should send troops into the Ukraine to fight the Russians? Because if that's what you mean, then I, I completely disagree. But if that's not what you mean, when you say we need to fully support the Ukraine, what the hell are you talking about? Do you mean sanctions? Economic sanctions? Economic sanctions are going to punish the Russian citizens. That's what they're going to do. They're going to hurt more innocent people. Every time sanctions are, are put into a country, they kill. Sanctions kill. How about that? Sanctions kill people. Just like lockdowns kill people. I was right about that. Remember? Sanctions kill people. Our sanctions on Germany actually led to the rise of Hitler if you go back and do your research. Hitler never would have risen to power in a Germany with no sanctions. Wouldn't have happened. Those people were so desperate for a savior because they were, they were dying that they were willing to latch on to that psychopath. Sanctions kill people. Okay, so if you don't want sanctions, what are you saying? What, do you, what should we do? Thoughts and prayers? So clarify exactly what you mean, because Putin has a nuclear arsenal that he just put on high alert at the same time Europe is closing airspace to Russia. So things are not going awesome and we need some clear leadership and clear statements of your intent. Labeling anybody un-American who simply doesn't agree with the corporate narrative is the same bullshit the elites did to control the narrative after 9-11. They labeled anyone who didn't support an invasion into Iraq as anti-American. I know, I remember I was there. I was called anti-American because I did not support it. It's the same kind of nonsense they did to Tulsi Gabbard in 2016. They called her an agent of Assad, right? Like Trump is Putin's puppet. She was an agent of Assad simply because she didn't support the idea of attacking Syria. And she told the truth that no... Assad actually didn't gas his people, which we all know to be true now. She was, she was labeled a traitor by Hillary Clinton, of all people. A little bit of irony there, huh? Look, man, what is happening in Ukraine is absolutely horrific. I, my family roots come from the Ukraine. They come from the Ukraine. They come from Italy. 
But before you start cheerleading that we send troops to defend Ukraine, think about the full ramifications of what that means for you and your family and your country, and maybe for the entire world. Maybe when you really consider what sending troops to fight a nuclear power means, maybe it's not the best idea. And before you make any decision, like I said, I researched this a lot this weekend because I recognize the responsibility of the moment when I have an audience. Before you have any opinion that you share with anybody, because we all share in the responsibility, make sure you get the facts and understand how we got to this point in the first place, because it might not be what you've been led to believe. Now, I know you're good people. You're watching the show. You're good people. You're watching the dad. You're good people. You want to be a good parent to your kids. You're good people. So as good people, your instinct is that you want to help the people of Ukraine. You see innocent people being harmed and you want to help. And that's the right instinct. And I get that. And what's happening is awful. And Putin's an awful man. Don't get it twisted. Putin is a horrible man. Horrible man. You want to kill Putin. I get that. But even if that is the right thing to do, I'm not sure it is. But even if it is, and even if we succeed, well, then what? What, what happens next? We took out Saddam. We had to get Saddam. We killed him. We killed Gaddafi. We had to kill Gaddafi. Got him. What was fixed by that? Not a fucking thing. In fact, the situation got worse in both of those cases. The instinct to help innocent people, it's always right. It's the right instinct. However, consider this. There are acts of war happening to innocent people all over the world. In some cases, at the hands of the U.S. military right now. Yet somehow you've been manipulated by the media and by politicians into caring only about a specific group of innocents. I don't hear anyone cheerleading for us to attack Saudi Arabia to defend the innocence of Yemen. Saudi Arabia has murdered close to a million women and children in the last decade. They are executing a genocide in Yemen. You probably don't even know about that because you've not seen it every night on CNN. You might have heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast a month ago when Dave Smith was there. But this has been going on for a decade. I've been aware. You've not seen it on CNN or Fox News because what our government is doing there, and it's not just the Democrats or the Republicans, it's both of them. What we've been doing there is indefensible. So they're not going to report on it. They can't even spin this one, right? They could spin the Middle East situation. They can't even spin what's going on in Saudi Arabia and Yemen. If it was reported, it would be very bad for our elites. Saudi Arabia is literally murdering babies in Yemen, and there's zero chance we're going to do anything to stop it. And in fact, our government is helping them murder these babies. It's just true. It's an uncomfortable truth. It's a fact. And like I said at the top of the show, I never have, I never will shy away from telling you the uncomfortable and unpopular truths. The American government and military is helping Saudi Arabia murder those babies. And you should be uncomfortable with it. We've been giving them weapons and money and in some cases, military support as they execute a genocide. Why? Barack Obama started it. Trump and Biden continued it. In my opinion, all three of them should be serving life sentences for crimes against humanity. That'll never happen. But let's try to understand why government is doing this. Let's get a history of why they're doing this so that we can, so that we can understand and we can take that knowledge forward and apply it to Russia and Ukraine, right? Let's go backwards so we can go forwards. Why did Obama decide to give support to Saudi Arabia for their genocide in Yemen? Is it because Yemen is full of evil terrorists? That might justify it, right? No, that's not why. Obama decided to 
to support this genocide to appease Saudi Arabia because the Saudis were mad at us because our invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan destabilized the entire Middle East and gave more power to Saudi Arabia's number one enemy, Iran. Okay, I can see that. We destabilized the area. Iran gained more power. Saudi Arabia doesn't like them. But why do we care? Why do we need to appease the Saudis? Well, interesting that you ask. We need to appease the Saudis because the legitimacy of the American dollar is completely dependent on it. Our entire way of life is dependent on our relationship with Saudi Arabia. Okay, so quick history lesson. The dollar used to be a literal promissory note. You could take a dollar to your bank and say, hey, give me some gold, and they would give you gold. However, bad government and bad banking practices kept, you know, the Fed kept printing money and printing money and printing money, and they put more money into circulation than the amount of gold we had in reserves. And countries who we'd borrowed from started to come calling. They wanted to exchange their dollars for gold. And we didn't have it. So we couldn't allow it. So to protect against a bank run on our gold and completely delegitimize our currency, Nixon took us off the gold standard. He suspended the exchange of dollars for gold. And just like every temporary government abuse of power in world history, that temporary thing became permanent. Take a dollar to the bank and ask them for gold and watch them laugh. Or they might not even laugh. They might just look at you confused because the bank teller is probably younger than the amount of time since it's been changed. She probably wasn't even born yet. Okay, so our money, our paper money, which was backed by gold, now became backed by literally nothing except false confidence. So eventually, the rest of the world started to realize that the United States was just printing money and handing it out, which gave America a tremendous advantage in world economics since the entire world was using dollars. So the world was going to get suspicious, and eventually the world would start rejecting dollars and moving to a new world currency, which would completely end your way of life, and it would end America as a superpower. If the world did not recognize our currency as the world currency, we're fuck-skied. It's all over. And in fact, it's believed that Muammar Gaddafi tried to start a new currency, and that's the real reason for the Kuwait war, but we're not going to get into that side story. Uh, maybe we'll cover it another time. But in order to prevent the inevitable loss of confidence in the dollar and just collapse of America, a deal was done with Saudi Arabia. And the deal was they would only sell their oil for US dollars. So if you want oil from Saudi Arabia, you have to pay them in American dollars. If Italy wants Saudi Arabian oil and they got a lot of oil, first they got to come to us and get the dollars then they can get the oil. So our currency is backed by Saudi Arabian oil, giving it some legitimacy. So that's why Obama needed to appease Saudi Arabia. They were pissed that we helped their enemy, Iran. So we had to make them happy. So we're going to help them execute this genocide. Now, why they were mad at Yemen, that's a whole other story. We'll have to do some other time because this is taking a lot of time. Point being, it had nothing to do with dem protecting democracy. It had nothing to do with ethics. The ethics were horrible. You're not going to hear word one about any of that from your politicians or the media. So don't now, when we look to Ukraine and Russia, give me this 
standard line. And when I say you, CNN, knock it off with this line about we have to fight the Russians to protect democracy. It's just not true. And you've been manipulated. And on top of all that, let's just remember that the American military invaded and occupied eight countries in the Middle East in the past 20 years. Countries that had nothing to do with 9-11. Countries that did not provoke us. We went into their countries. So if you look at that from the bird's eye view, there's not much different from us invading those countries and all the people who died there, millions, by the way, not much difference between that and Russia invading the Ukraine. The only thing I can think of that's different is that Russia actually used to own the Ukraine. I'm not saying that it's okay that Russia did this. It's not. It's horrible. It's horrible. What I'm saying is that the American government and CNN don't have a leg to stand on to condemn it. I do. I've got a leg to stand on and condemn it because in 2001, when it was very hard to do, I condemned us going into those countries. So I have a leg to stand on and criticize Russia and I will criticize Russia. Russia's doing the wrong thing. They should be punished. It is always the wrong thing to go into another country and hurt innocent people. Forget going into another country. It's wrong to hurt innocent people, period, end of statement. Not only are we getting a message from the corporate media about how we have to protect democracy, I'm hearing on many podcasts that I actually respect saying, war with Russia at this point seems inevitable. Podcaster Tim Poole, who I have a great deal of respect for, he's got a great show. He's been saying that for a week now. Well, why, Tim? Why is it inevitable? Why? To accomplish what? And at what cost? Have you thought of any of that? Now, I'm not a foreign policy expert, absolutely not. I do read an unhealthy amount about this stuff, and I wish I had a more enjoyable obsession. But regardless of the reading I do, I'm not an expert. I have talked to many experts. That said, I do know some things to be true. And as already promised, I will always tell you the truth, as well as I understand it. And I will always have the guts to tell the unpopular truth in real time. Most people are revisionists. Right, so the Civil War. Before the Civil War, the segregation or the um, abolitionist party was less than one percent of America. That's less than one percent of America who was saying we need to end slavery. I bet you, thirty years after slavery was ended, all those same people, the other ninety-nine percent, were saying, "Yeah, well, I'm against slavery, of course." Well, no, bro, you weren't. And we saw the same thing in two thousand one. I was against it. Very few people were against it. I was called anti-American. Now, in hindsight, everybody was against it. No. I was against the lockdowns on day one. Most people weren't. Now they all say lockdowns were a bad idea. Most people say the easy thing. Most people say the easy thing because people can be cowardly. They lie to others and they lie to themselves. You're not going to get that here. After 9-11, I asked the question, why did they attack us? That's all. I wasn't trying to justify their attack. There's no justification for that kind of heinous attack. No justification. Wasn't trying to justify it. They need Those people needed to die a fiery, painful death. But if you want to fix something and prevent it from happening again, you have to first understand why it happened. That's just basic logic. You got to do that in a world conflict. You got to do that in a conflict in your own house and your relationships. You got to do that at your job. If you want to fix something, you got to understand why it happened. Well, the answer the media gave us to that question, the media told us they attacked us because they hated us for our freedoms, which was just a lie. That's just a lie. So the answer to that question is, they told us, they told us the answer. 
Osama wrote that they attacked us because we had been waging war for decades in their countries and we'd set up military bases all over the Middle East. Does that justify what he did? No. Again, they needed to be murdered, but we should at least understand why it happened so that we don't cause a repeat of it. Now, if Afghanistan had set up permanent military bases in Canada or in Chicago, right, and they'd been dropping bombs on us for decades, you think there wouldn't be a lot of Americans who wanted bloodshed over that? So he told us why it happened. We should believe him. And if we want to prevent it, let's not repeat that mistake. But the elites in government ignored it. They didn't want to hear it because they were frothing at the mouth for war in the Middle East. They saw dollar signs. They'd been planning it for years. So they ignored the truth and reality and fed us propaganda. They told us Osama attacked us because they hated us for our freedom, which is total nonsense. I heard that line. It made no sense to me. It's not logical. Maybe they don't agree with freedom, but they're going to go across the world and, and sacrifice their lives because they don't like that we're free. I knew that was a lie. And as soon as I heard it, I knew they couldn't be trusted and I wouldn't support the war. And history proved my instinct correct. I just applied a little bit of logic. I knew that going to war after 9-11 would do nothing but leave more Middle Eastern boys growing up angry and without fathers and blaming America for their woes. It would create more terrorists. The approach we took of going to war was destined from go to create more terrorists. And of course, that's exactly what happened. We declared a war on terror and ended up fighting a 20-year war that created ISIS and many other terrorist factions. We created far more terrorists than we took out. It was a bad plan. And most people now agree that it was wrong. Most people say they knew it was wrong at the time. They lie. And the only reason I review all this and tell you all this is because I'm trying to establish a little bit of credibility and a little bit of history and a little bit of world context so that before I share my opinion on what we should do now, you recognize that I've gotten a few right and that the media lies. At some point when you are lied to over and over and over again, you have to recognize that you're dealing with a compulsive liar. The media and the politicians have lied over and over and over and over, more so than they've told the truth. So you can either choose to keep believing them or recognize that you're dealing with a compulsive liar. So now, today's conflict. Let's talk about today's conflict. Just like it was important to understand the historical context and motivations of the terrorists, it's important to understand the historical context of Russia and Putin and their motivations and all that. So if you want to make the right decisions, you have to have a good understanding of your enemy and the past. If you don't, you're going to make bad decisions. And so far, we've made bad decisions and we've made everything worse. Again, I'm not an expert, but I do know some things. Here's what I know. I know the media and politicians lied us into the Korean War, the Vietnam War, both Iraq wars. I know they only allow one narrative to get traction. I know you can't trust people who are trying to silence speech. I know that NATO was originally formed as an alliance, a military alliance, not a peacekeeping alliance like they try to make it seem. NATO was formed as a military alliance against the USSR. I know the USSR dissolved sometime in the 80s, you know, like 40 years ago, 30 years ago. I know NATO should have dissolved at that time. It accomplished its purpose close it up. But like any government program, it's never going away. I know that at the time that the USSR 
shut down. I know that Bush Sr. promised Russia in writing that NATO would not extend east beyond Germany. I know that since that time, we've continued moving east since then, which totally makes us look like liars and provokes Russia at the same time. I know Putin for a couple of years now has been asking for assurances from NATO, a military force, I'll remind you, that NATO, a military force, would not land on his doorstep in Ukraine. I know that we refuse to give him those assurances. I know there was a coup in the Ukraine in 2014 and an American-friendly government was installed in place of the previous administration. I know that Joe Biden at that time, 2014, was the point man on Ukraine for Obama when that happened. I know that Hunter Biden was doing some shady business in, U- in Ukraine and the Biden family made a lot of money. I know that Burisma, the company that Hunter Biden was employed by and made millions from, was on the side of the previous administration. And that's why they gave Hunter Biden a job was because they wanted to be on America's good side. I know that any decision our government makes has side effects. I know that a war with Russia would make some people very, very wealthy. I know the media lies and cheerleads every war we have ever gotten into, including this one. I know that when they're telling me that Putin is attacking Ukraine because Ukraine is a democracy and he doesn't like that ideology, that this is the same lie, same exact lie as the terrorists hate us for our freedom. Putin's attacking Ukraine because he hates democracy and freedom. Same lie. I know the conflict has nothing to do with us. So my opinion is, unless we are attacked, we need to stay the fuck out of there in every possible way. I believe we should immediately end NATO today, disband NATO. We should have done it 30 years ago. Do it now and attempt peace. That's what I think we should do. It might not be too late for that. You're welcome to disagree. You have the right to your opinion. You can call me anti-American if you don't like this opinion. Whatever. Point is, there should be multiple narratives available to the public to hear and discuss. Right now, what I see on social media is everybody's having a great time with placing blame. Half the country wants to blame Trump somehow. There is some blame to go for Trump. And the other half wants to blame Biden and Hillary, who also deserve some blame. Tribalism is what has gotten the world to the point where it is at now. Tribalism is Ukraine versus Russia. They're the same fucking people. Ukrainians and Russians are the same people. There's not a genetic difference between them. They're the same people. Tribalism is what's gotten us to this point. So let's stop taking sides and deciding who we want to blame and figure out how we can get to peace. Now, I am simply not willing to send my boys to die in a war, in a land dispute. I'm not willing to send my boys to die for a land dispute on the other side of the world. And I'm definitely not willing to risk nuclear war that could wipe out all of humanity. And unless you're willing to risk sending your boys to die in a war, or you're willing to risk nuclear war, then you shouldn't support getting involved either. As I mentioned, my family's from there. My grandmother's family is from the Ukraine. But the media picks and chooses what conflicts we're supposed to care about. They don't care about Yemen. They don't care that Syria is being bombed. They don't care about Israel bombing Palestine Palestine for a decade. I'm not saying you should care about any of them. What I'm saying is you're being manipulated. So recognize that before you get all hot and bothered and say we need to send troops over there. 
I don't like it what's going on over there, but every action has consequences and consequences have to be considered. They must. And our politicians and media cannot be trusted. Again, they lied us into Korea. They lied us into Vietnam. They lied us into Iraq 1 and Iraq 2. They lied about the 2008 crash. They lied about Trump being a Russian asset. They lied about Assad gassing his people. They lied about COVID. Don't fall for the propaganda regardless of who's putting it out. Trust voices who have told you the truth historically. Don't buy propaganda. Some of you are old enough to remember the propaganda we were fed during the Kuwait war. I remember. I was, I was a senior in high school, I believe. We were told that Gaddafi's army was going into Kuwait, going into hospitals in Kuwait, taking babies and smashing babies on hospital floors to kill them. That's what we were told. 17, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, I was filled with fucking rage when I heard that. I was ready to join the military. I told my dad I was going to join the military. My dad, thank God, wouldn't let me. Dad, if you're watching, if you're listening, thank you. Glad I didn't do that. Because guess what? Wasn't true. Just completely fabricated. The same people who told you the lies about Gaddafi smashing babies on hospital floors are the same people giving you information now. Propaganda. Jussie Smollett was attacked by white nationalists because he's black, right? The truckers in Canada are Nazis. Lies and propaganda. They never stop with it. Speaking of lies and propaganda, let me get a drink. CNN is putting out a special right now about Alex Jones. And I find the timing very curious. Now, there's no doubt Alex Jones is a crazy person. He's a crazy person. I enjoy him, but he's a crazy person. But historically, Dude has been correct more than not. He's been right more times than he's been wrong. And he's been right a zillion times more than CNN. Yet we don't hear anyone calling CNN conspiracy theorists. Alex Jones was talking about Epstein Island and a network of elitist child pedophiles before any of us knew that name at all. And yes, he's got a lot of stories wrong. He has. Okay. Way wrong. But... The fact that he's gotten so many things right ahead of the corporate media, he got things right that the corporate media has still not acknowledged, lets me know he's a voice that we should be allowed to hear. Yet he was the first noteworthy person silenced and banned on social media. And now CNN is working overtime to discredit him. And I find the timing very peculiar. They have a documentary coming out about Alex Jones to discredit him. And I find the timing now, right as this war is starting, to be curious. Listen to this clip. Alex Jones from last October stating that he knows, he has inside sources telling him there's going to be a war in February. And then I want to talk to you about information manipulation, how it pertains to the banning and censorship of Alex Jones, and how it pertains to how they are trying to manipulate you right now into supporting war. Check out this clip. This is is amazing stuff. But... We're looking at a giant war in February right now. Currently, that's the projections with the top people on the earth who claim they're not with uh, the New World Order Combine. Is war in February. And th- this is the type of time, like right before World War One, right before World War II, when everything kicks off. I don't know what that's about. Did it, you know, maybe Alex Jones, he just got lucky on that prediction. I don't know. Or... Maybe someone told him something. Maybe he had inside sources. I don't know. 
Maybe it's all a giant coincidence. Maybe it's even a coincidence that CNN is trying to cancel him right now. I don't know. But one thing I know for certain is that when you ban him on, so- on social media, when you make a documentary telling me I can't listen to him, you're not tampering my interest in hearing what the man has to say. Now I know. I want to know. I want to know why you don't want me to hear about him. What is this guy saying that scares you so much? So not only does censorship not work, not only is it wrong, not only is it go against everything America stands for, but it achieves the exact opposite of what you want. You want to silence him. You want people to stop listening to him. And I want to hear him more than ever before. You know, it's like the Hunter Biden story. They censored it right before the election. I just want to deal in fact, because there is so much speculation out there and there is zero evidence that Hunter Biden or Joe Biden did anything wrong here. We should note, again, you, you and I have said this in the air many times, there is no evidence that Joe Biden was you know, involved in any wrongdoing. Of course, I want to note that there is no evidence that Joe Biden or Hunter Biden has done anything wrong. I just want to reiterate. And let's be clear for the viewers. There is no evidence Biden did anything wrong. I'll note again, because it's important. There is no, I repeat, no. There is no evidence that either Biden did anything illegal. There's been no evidence. There was no evidence. There's no evidence. There is no evidence. There is not an iota of evidence. No, no evidence. Evidence. Biden, Biden did, did anything, anything wrong. wrong. There's really no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong. Nobody's ever accused uh, that. I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that Joe Biden, Biden did anything wrong. wrong. Got that? Joe Biden did nothing wrong. Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Biden secret emails. A really fishy story. The Post claimed that the emails were found on a laptop computer that was brought to a repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019. The FBI is now investigating whether those alleged Hunter Biden emails are actually connected to a larger foreign intelligence operation. They may be related to a foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence operation. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence. Foreign intelligence operation. For all we know, These emails are made up. The information found on the laptop may be part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Part of a Russian uh, disinformation uh, effort. Described by many intelligence experts as having hallmarks. All the hallmarks, rather. All the hallmarks of a Russian. Or Russian. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation. Disinformation campaign. This is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. Don't drag the intelligence community into this. Hunter Biden's laptop is not part of some Russian disinformation campaign. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that now that censorship worked a little bit it it fucked with the election you weren't allowed to hear that story right before an election a lot of people were never made privy to it so it did actually work for a minute but now the truth has come out since then okay but let's get let me get this straight right so donald trump donald trump was impeached for a phone call to the ukraine in which he threatened to withhold the bags of money we were just gifting to them unless they investigated the Bidens for their shady dealings in the Ukraine. The Bidens did shady dealings in the Ukraine. We know that. Uh, Freaking Joe Biden's bragging on camera that he got the district attorney or the got their attorney fired. They did shady things there. Trump was impeached for that, even though he still went through and gave them the bags of money and gave them hordes and hordes and hordes of weapons, which coincidentally might've provoked this war a little bit. He was still impeached, even though he gave them everything they wanted and more, and he didn't get the investigation. So what do you suppose would have happened if the USSR tried to put weapons in Cuba? 
oh, wait a minute, that did happen. And we didn't like it too much. Obama's given Ukraine weapons. Trump's given Ukraine weapons. You get the point. Anyway, back on Trump. Months after Trump was impeached, the New York Post, America's oldest newspaper, ran a story about Hunter Biden's laptop, which had information that Trump had alluded to regarding the Biden's ties to the Ukraine and how they were raking in millions. Biden was getting millions of dollars to serve on the board of Ukrainian oil company Burisma in exchange for access to the then Vice President Joe Biden. And on this laptop was all kinds of damning evidence. We weren't allowed to read that. John Brennan, former director of the CIA and now pundit for state media CNN, a man who called libertarians, people like me, terrorists, because we like to use the word freedom, a man who is responsible for literally torturing innocent people, a man who has ordered the execution of hundreds of people, this man and 50 people under him, without even seeing the laptop, John Brennan never saw the laptop, without even seeing it, he wrote a letter that the laptop has all the characteristics of Russian disinformation. And because of that letter, Facebook and Twitter banned anyone who tried to share the story. You weren't allowed to read the story. Since that, we now know that story was true, and we know it definitely had an effect on the election. Nobody's calling it Russian misinformation anymore. We had peace with Russia when Trump was president. And now, suddenly, Russia is invading the Ukraine and the media is cheerleading our involvement. Now, I don't know if this war would or would not have happened with Trump as president. I don't know. I couldn't possibly know. I don't try to guess things that I can't possibly know. However, I know they lied to you about the laptop and I know we're now at war and I know the players were Biden and Ukraine, so it seems relevant. Do you not keep seeing how they keep trying to control you, how they keep trying to feed you propaganda and tell you what you need to believe? We got to stop that. The empire, the American empire is falling apart. People think that this stuff doesn't matter because life is so good here in America but it's slipping through our hands. My generation, we are the, my, my generation of Americans were the luckiest generation in world history. We we've grew up in the richest country in world history, the richest and most powerful country in world history at a time where there happened to be almost no violence in our country. That's never happened before in world history. We're spoiled brats. Fuck white privilege. We have rich American privilege. Rich, safe American privilege. That's what people my age have. And because of it, we think bad things can't happen. But it's slipping through our fingers right now. We have enjoyed decades and decades of wealth and safety, and we think bad things can't happen, and they're about to happen. Every empire in history tends to have about a 200-year run before collapse, before the clock runs out. Well, look at the motherfucking clock, guys. TikTok, motherfuckers. All right, guys, that was fun. I hope I didn't alienate you guys. I hope you at least consider the things I was saying and, and just consider that maybe the dad has it right. Maybe we shouldn't be so gung-ho. Just consider it. And if you disagree with me, that's fine. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a nasty message on Facebook, but keep coming back and watching. And now let's get into this week's edition of Leftists Are Silly People. If you're non-binary and you know it, clap your hands. 
If you're non-binary, but you're actually gender fluid, but you don't want to explain to people that your pronouns change regularly because your gender is that freaking fluid, and you don't really care either way what pronouns people use, except for certain days where you feel super mask or super femme or super androgynous. Um, But you also don't want to bother people with having them try to remember what pronouns you are for certain days, and even you don't really know most of the days, so you just sit there like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, whatever you want to reference me as. Clap your hands. Wow, man, (laughs) that's a real person. That was a real person. There's people like that. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Great guest coming up next week, Connor Boyack, author of the Tuttle Twins, and we got more. All right, thank you for checking in. See you next week.